1: ryan it is mailback time Mm -hmm. we've got some we've got a lot of good questions and a lot of good discussion and i love where people's heads are with a lot of these things because i really like think that people are trying to think outside the box and think about solutions so some of the stuff is going to be really good we have a a super chat from daniel uske he says hey guys big fan of iris breakdown thank you daniel keep up the great work in your guys opinion will we see Jalen steed or tyson ford this year on the playing field
2: I I feel better about Jalen Sneed than Tyson Ford at the moment just because I think that Tyson Ford is going to continue to physically develop. But I think that Jalen Sneed is going to be a kid that at some point, Brian, like I'm going to need to see him at Rover in spurts, right? I'm not saying he's the starting Rover down the stretch of the season. What I'm saying is that he needs to be on the field because I just think he's too much of a talented athlete. I think Tyson Ford can – Potentially push for some reps down the down the stretch, sure. But I think the long-term is more exciting for me about Tyson Ford than like this year. But I think Jalen Sneed is just too good of an
1: athlete to keep off the field. I agree. You, you, there's no excuse. We heard how great junior two Alamaka has been. I haven't seen defense. I haven't seen, seen, no. seen Jalen Sneed. I don't think the defense is afraid to play freshman because they have played Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison. But I, I think it's at linebacker, and that's the defensive coordinator's position, Right, mm-hmm. I think he's he's going with the veterans because of what we talked about at the beginning, Ryan, which is he's asking a lot of the linebackers. Yes, the linebackers especially are being asked of a lot, and that can happen with with it was this way with Mike Elko too, right? Is is Mike Elko would ask a lot of the safeties? Why? Because that was a position he coached, and he felt I can get these guys ready to play, and he did a good job with it. I mean, the safeties. I mean, in 2017, Notre Dame safety play with like Nick Coleman. And who was the other safety they had on that team? I'm trying to remember who their other safety was. It wasn't Alohi Gilman because he was sitting out that year, I believe. Oh, Jalen Elliott, I know, played a lot that year as well. And I'm trying to remember who the other – I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on this on who the other safety was. And when I see who it was, I'm going to be ticked to myself of who the safety was in 2016. Uh, it was Nick Coleman and Jalen Elliott, I think, right? Isn't that who it was? Nino know Devin Stud still played a little bit. i trying but to remember. But, yeah, I think that's who it was. And, you know – well, not great, great players, both undrafted. Jalen Elliott's at least stuck in the NFL, Nick Coleman is. But the safety plan was pretty good that year. Because mm-hmm. why? Because the defensive coordinator put them in a position to get his unit to play well. Well, it's only two games, but through two games, Al Golden has not done that with his position group. And I think it's a lot of it's because he's asking them, to do, asking them to do too much. You've got to get Jalen Seed on the field, have a role for him, and, and not ask him to do a ton and let him play. And – it just needs to happen, it needs yep. to happen. And I, you know, look, get him on special teams. Get Nolan Ziegler on special teams, right? I get that you want to play your starters and all that kind of stuff, but clearly your starters are are wearing down on defense. They need to focus on defense. Let those kids go be maniacs on on kick coverage and yep. kick return.
2: I, I'm actually, I'm honestly a little bit shocked that we haven't seen Jalen Sneed on special teams. <laughs> to be honest, right. man, like I'm shocked that we're not seeing him yep. on a kickoff. You know, just going down and and covering a kick. Like it's right. it's a little bizarre to me. A little right. bizarre,
1: right? So I I do need to see that. I'm with you on that.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Got a super chat from Drew Pine's belly button. You guys are a trip. You guys kill me with some of these names. You, thank you for the super chat. <laughs> Defense is going to be fired up. College football playoff is lucky that it's only four teams this year. We're going to get right, and if it was twelve, we would make some noise. Go Irish! That is the one thing that years like this can make you really, ex, you know look forward to a 12-team playoff, because if Notre mm-hmm. Dame does run the table moving forward, then yes, they're a playoff team. Sure. However, I'm just worried about beating Cal right now. Yes. Yes. I'm not yes. worried about going 12-10-2. and 10 and two. I'm not worried about winning your next 10 games. I'm worried about beating Cal. Yep. But I do love the energy and enthusiasm, because could Notre Dame run the table, Ryan? Sure. Yes, sure. Yeah, sure. But yeah. right now, they're so far from that that I'm not even focused on that. I'm just like, can they score... Like you say, like I don't expect Cal to score a lot on Notre Dame's defense. No, nah. but I don't know if Notre Dame can score on Cal's defense. I mean, that it's, that's that's the concern. So I'm just worried about beating Cal right now. And if they beat Cal, then we can worry about North Carolina. And if they get into the bye week two and two and they're actually playing really well, then maybe we can start having a conversation of okay, what can this team do? But honestly, right now, I have one concern if I'm Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And, and I even not forget that. I have one concern, me, Brian Driscoll. I have one concern. Can yeah. they beat Cal. Like that's where I'm at right now. This is, Cal is that, better than Marshall, Ryan. They are? No, they absolutely
2: are. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit about them during the duration of the week, but it's I mean, Brian, it's it's as simple as this. Like, I'm not gonna keep making this complicated, man. Notre Dame needs to taste victory. Like this yeah. coaches head needs to taste the victory, man. Like it, it, before we start talking about like 10 day 10 games down the road, I need to I need to get a they need to get a victory. Like yeah. they need just one because you can't start a win streak if you don't win a football game, right? Like, you have to win. It's a very general thing to kind of say. But, like, right now you're 0-2 on the season. You lost the bowl game. Marcus Freeman has to get on the board, man. Like, they just have to get on the board and then see what happens from there. Like, it, it, it's very cliche to say one game at a time. But when you're trying to, to gain momentum, it literally is one game at a time. Like, I'm not worried about BYU or Clemson right now or USC or anybody in between. Like, I'm worried about – Notre Dame beating Cal. Like that is the point right to right now. That they have they have to taste victory. They have to taste it.
1: Yeah. And until they do, I'm not focused on what's after that. You know, right. we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I do love your optimism. It's a it's a refreshing refreshing change. I like it too. David Carpenter with the Super Chat. David, thank you very much. In mm-hmm. previous years after a horrible loss like this, I was ready to tune out for the year. This year because of IB, I'm taking a deep breath and looking forward with informed understanding. I appreciate it. And then David also went on to say, Brandon and Ryan, what is the top thing you were looking for in the next game? I know I'll be looking for effort and intensity because it's really frustrating to see half-assed effort. Honestly, David, that right there is kind of the first thing I'm looking for, more so on yeah. offense. I don't think the defense was half-assed. I just think that they were thinking too much. They were uncertain. They played like a group that wasn't sure of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes that can be confused for Not playing hard, and I've used this analogy before. Like I grew up kind of in a town where there was a lot of country around the town. Like I lived in a kind of a neighborhood, but there was a lot of country. Like where I grew up in Lima, it's like there's the town, and then outside of it's just nothing but farm town. Right. Same Mm -hmm. thing where I live in Indiana. I would, you know, go back now. I drive out to my uncle's house. I I go quickly. I drive with good speed because I, even though it's dark, I know where I'm going. I know where the I know where the sharp turns are and the weird country roads and all this kind of stuff. I know when the roads get narrow because I'm familiar with it. So I can drive fast. However, if you've never been there before and it's dark outside, you're not going to drive the same way I am. Does that mean your car's incapable of going above 35 miles an hour? Does it mean you're a passive person or a soft person? No, it's because you don't want to die because you're out on a road with no light and you don't know where you're going. You don't know when the turns are. You don't know if you're going to get to a – because you'll get to these country roads where it's like it's literally – you you're just going for a long time and all of a sudden it's just it, the road ends and you can go right left. Cause if you keep going, you're going to go right to a cornfield. You know what I mean? And if you don't, if you're just driving fast, you don't know where you're going. Then it could get dangerous, right? Same concept. When you're uncertain, same thing. If you, if you know, like I have the lights on lights off of my house and I walk downstairs, it's dark, but I pretty much can walk down and know where I'm going. Cause I'm, I know the house, but if you're like at some place, you've never been before and the lights go out, you're trying to walk around in the dark. You're going to walk around uncertain with a far less confidence than I am. That's how football is. If you don't know what you're doing or where you're supposed to go, you're not going to go there with the same certainty as you will if you know exactly what to do. And that can be confused for a lack of speed, a lack of effort, a lack of want to. And I don't, don't think those things are lacking at Notre Dame. I think what's lacking is up here. Not that they're not smart enough, but that they're uncertain of what they're supposed to do. That's what I think is going on. I don't think it's a pride. It is a pride thing to a degree, but it's not a pride thing from like they're playing like they don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case. They're not playing well, David. So I think for me, what you're viewing as effort and playing with heart, I view as confidence in what they're doing. So it's going to it's going to look the same David and and Ryan I think you'll agree with me is if we see the linebackers flying around on Saturday it mm. doesn't mean that they care all of a sudden or they're they're not playing half assed anymore because they weren't trying hard it's because whatever they did in the week of practice those kids were prepared for what they needed to do to execute on Saturday it's really as simple as that same thing with the wide receivers I don't think Jaden Thomas doesn't care I don't think Jaden Thomas is soft. I don't think Jaden Thomas has a lack of want to. I think Jaden Thomas played the way he played that ball because he's not real confident in himself right now. And that's not okay. That that's not okay. But you never heard me say Jaden Thomas doesn't give a crap. He's playing like he doesn't care. No, he's playing like a, he's playing poorly. Sure. He's playing like a kid who doesn't know what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he's and he's not fighting for the ball because of that. right But I'm not question. But and that would cause me to take him off the field. You know what I mean? And he's got to earn that back from me, but that's still not about him. Not giving a crap. I think Jade Thomas gives a crap. Sure. It's just, he's not playing well. I think sometimes that can be confused for negative things that sometimes are true. In this case, I just don't think that it is. I, I am concerned about, if, about saying that on Saturday though, Ryan, mm-hmm. I am concerned about some guys checking out after zero two, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm I very agree. concerned about that, which is we're going to learn a lot about this team from that. And so that to me is the absolute first thing that I'm looking for because no matter what the coaching changes may be, they may simplify things, do this, make this change, put this guy in. But if dudes are checking out and don't have that deep pride of, hey, we're going to freaking fix this, this, fix this," which is the first thing we talked about in today's show, then it's still going to be an ugly product. And I'm going to be honest with you, right? That's that's that the uncertainty of, of how they're going to respond to 0 and 2. That is my biggest concern on Saturday. And that's the first thing I'm going to be looking for coming into that game.
2: I just want to see progress. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, Brian, is from game one to game two, I didn't see progress, man. Like, I didn't see them get better in certain areas, right? So whether that is – maintaining and establishing a block, establishing and maintaining a block, whether that is finishing through the catch point as a wide receiver, whether that is reading your keys faster as a linebacker, whether it is getting off of blocks as a defensive lineman, whether it is, you know, being proactive and getting out of your pedal a little faster as a corner. All those things are independent to their positions, David, but at the end of the day, I need to see them look like they are working at their craft and there has been an attention to detail. So I guess attention to detail is my biggest thing, right? Like I just need to see progress. I need to see more confidence. Those things need to happen because right now, I mean, to your point, Brian, it could be easy for some guys to check out. If we're being honest, mm-hmm. like it could be easy right now. It could be, but if there's, if they're building this atmosphere and this, this aura around the program that we think they are, after a loss like this, they're going to come back and they're going to work harder, and you're going to see progress, right? So, mm-hmm. I need to see progress. I need to see at their the, the attention to detail is my biggest thing in this game from the technical side, and just as that is that as that ensues, I think you're going to see players playing faster. So, I want to see the attention to detail in this one.
1: Yep. Next question here, and we, we got some really, really good ones today, Ryan, that that, mm-hmm. that we're going to get to here. You guys you guys have really brought some good stuff here today, so I appreciate that. Irish Mojo 25, these, the defensive line just looks slow with their feet right now. Hopefully simplifying and or narrowing down positions will let them play fast and free. Yeah, that, that's true. Part of me wonders, Ryan, is if they're looking slow because they're being – like you're going to look slow when you're being asked to come off and eat up space. Yeah. And 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 maybe that's what they're being asked to do. But all I see is a lot of feet stopping.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: guess what? If you don't move your feet, you're going to look slow. And yes. and again, it goes back to they're they're not playing with the same. Like there was just there was just you knew you're going to get at least three times a game last year with Isaiah Foskey. There's going to be at least three snaps a game where he's just going to crush somebody off the edge. Just say screw it, I'm going to blow past this guy, and we haven't seen that once this year. Like, that I can think of. Maybe there's one pat he had one good pass rushing against Ohio State in the second half. One. I remember that now. But outside of that, we haven't seen that. Why? Like, that's what Al Golden has to do. Why? Why was this kid last year a flat-out dude, and he's doing nothing for us now? Why? And and figure it out, and then turn him loose. Mm-hmm. Like, simple as that. Like, you know, and, and it's not always as simple as just play another guy. Because after the first game, everybody was begging for Jordan Patelho did you watch Jordan Patel on Saturday he was taking up space and I don't mean that like two gapping I mean he was just taking up space it <laughs> yeah. was not good and so you you look you got to go out there and figure out who's gonna who's gonna go out there and play with their hair on fire and we're not seeing that right now from this defense and to your point mojo and I don't know why we have some things we think why but to a degree we're just kind of we're're we're, we're, we're thinking we're trying to figure it out but what yeah. I know is, is guys that we've seen play fast are playing not fast. And that's either they all got slow in the offseason and all of a sudden uh, Matt Bayless, who's considered one of the best strength coaches of the business, all of a sudden forgot how to get guys ready for the season. We, You can either believe that or you can believe that there's something going on inside their head that's slowing them down mentally, which is going to slow down your body.
2: Un- right. uncertainty with right. what you're being asked to do. I mean, that's, right. that's gotta be what it is. Right. I mean, cause I, I mean, Brian, we were talking again about the Fosky stuff, right? I just, and I know that he didn't really have a repertoire of moves last year, but like, it seems when he just gets to the top of the track and he's not able to win around the edge, it's just like, he doesn't know what to do anymore. Right. Like it just seems like there's uncertainty with guys coming off the football right now. I, and again, I don't know if that's they're being asked to do something that they're not comfortable doing. I don't know if that's a, structural thing. Like, I don't know what it is either. I don't, I wish I knew the answers. I wish I knew. Cause then I could give you this uh, astounding and enlightening analysis, but the point blank to it is, is it's not good enough. And I'm going to keep reiterating that the defensive line. We thought was going to be one of the best defensive lines in all of college football this year. We did. I did at mm-hmm. least. And it's not come to fruition right now. So yep. what, whatever the, the limiting factor is that is causing these players to not have the impact that we know they can have. That's the most mm-hmm. frustrating part is that we have seen it. Right, like you've seen Foskey do it, you've seen Jason Adam do it, you even saw Riley Mills do it last year when they let him loose. Like you've seen it mm-hmm. for whatever reason,
1: you're not seeing it right now, and you yep. have to see it. Yep, absolutely agree. Notre Dame two one six four. Bottom line with Foskey, he has to get moves that can just beat him with speed, and and I understand that, I'm Brendan. Gonna, we'll disagree I mean, with that. Yeah, we have talked about that a lot, but here's here's my pushback to that. Mm-hmm. But that's all he had last year, and he was still a beast. Sure. Right, so like we said all year, if Isaiah Foskey simply just plays the way he did last year, he's going to be pretty good. Well, he's not playing the same way he did last year. No. He's not, and that's the concern. So yes, he needs to expand his repertoire. But sometimes, if you try to expand your repertoire too much, now all of a sudden you're trying to do. And I used to, this used to drive me nuts about Daylon Hayes. Mm-hmm. Daylon Hayes would always try to do like all these moves, and it's like, <laughs> dude, just that guy's slow. Just Freaking run, run by, by
2: him. him. Yeah. <laughs> and then
1: once you run by him, then like you, your, your counter moves only work if you have the one move that you're good at. Right. Yes. And yep. so you got to use that one move first, then make teams over set to what you're doing and react to what you're doing. Then your moves come off of that. But like if I, if my best move was my speed move and this guy's yet to stop me, it's like I was a pitcher in high school. Mm-hmm. I, I threw very, very few off speed pitches. So, well, why not? So, because nobody could hit my fastball. It's like why am I throwing a bunch of curveballs and changeups of people who can't hit my fastball. When they if they start hitting hit my fastball, then I'll throw some other stuff, right? And it's the same thing here. Like make the guy block your number 1 move first before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's the thing is, is Notre Dame 2164, I don't disagree with your sentiment at all. But he's not even using that one move right now. When have you seen Isaiah Foskey just fly off the edge and beat a guy? You haven't seen it yet, Or,
2: really. or used a long arm, like you yeah. just haven't seen it, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: so we're not even seeing what we saw last year. I, w- I would gladly take his one move of beat him with speed that we saw last year, which is the long arm move that he would use. I would gladly take that. I think that would be effective because it's better than what we're seeing right now. And he's too good of a player to not be better than what he is right now. No doubt. Brian Loftus says, Brian, you were a coach. What are your thoughts on the captain and leader throwing his helmet down and trying to storm off? It doesn't set a good example or tone for the younger guys, referring to Jarrett Patterson. Um, I I I agree. And look, I get it. Jarrett was frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he was mad at himself for his huge mistake in the fourth quarter. I'm assuming he was mad at the team for losing. I'm assuming he's mad at the offensive line for not. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, there's a lot of justifiable reasons for that. But your fifth-year captain cannot do that, yep. and my hope is that he owns it and 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 says something to the team. It, it needs to happen, and I think Coach Freeman needs to make sure that it happens if Jarrett doesn't do it already. Because you, you there has to be accountability, and when you let your senior fifth-year senior captain act that way, mm-hmm. and then there's no consequences, then at that point in time, you know. Other people say, Well, if Jared can do it, I can do it. Right. Right. And so then you punish the younger. Standard. Right. Yeah. You punish the younger kid. Well, wait a minute, hold on a second. I, I didn't do anything different than what Jared did. Why are you not punishing me? And I'm not punishment like we're grown-ups, right? Like punishment yeah. isn't always, oh, sit him, don't play. Him. No. Punishment, sometimes the biggest punishment is make you make a kid humble himself in front of his entire team. And I don't mm-hmm. mean humble, so I don't mean humiliate him. I mean sure. make him stand in front of the entire team, own what he did. And apologize to the team. Sometimes that's enough. Yep. You know what I mean? Especially for a kid who takes pride in being a leader, which we know Jared Patterson does. And so you don't make a mountain out of a molehill, but you also don't let it go without some level of public acknowledgement with the football team. I don't care if they say something to us. This isn't about us or the fans or whatever. This is about the team. It's
2: got to be in the team, yeah.
1: And then yeah. you better freaking come out against Cal and, have your, and, and play great. You don't act like that and then come out against Cal and not play well. But I also will say this. Yeah. I still don't think he should have played on Saturday. I I think it was a mistake. He was not quick on Saturday. He was not, he did not look like his normal self. They panicked and brought him back too soon, in my opinion. And I think that was a mistake. And this is why we said all week, there's if you can't beat Jarrett Patterson, or if you can't beat Marshall without Jarrett Patterson, you got much bigger problems. And and to me, it was it was more important to get him healthy, and they did not do that. And that was
2: the key for growth for Jared. Is next step is hey, after you have that moment of clarity with your team and you kind of move forward here, you got to learn how to harness that a little better, right? Like, I I love that he was pissed off, Brian. I love that he was pissed off because that tells me that he cares, right? That's perfect you got to use it in a different way, Jared, like right. on the field at, in your leadership role, whatever it is, like you, you can use that, right? Like you, and it's not an easy thing to say, do sometimes. Like I, I was a, I was a little bit of a hothead when I played sports too. Like I got very over the top at times, right. Cause I was a very competitive kid, but there were moments while as I got older where you start to figure out like, Hey, it's okay to use this differently than just having an outburst. Right. right. Just using my, like, just, do it, you know, just having an outward kind of abrupt moment like that. So I I think that Jared, again, I like that he's mad. I like that he's angry. Just needs to learn how to harness that a little differently. And then we'll be all right. We'll be all right.
1: Agree. Wayne Miller says, are players playing poorly because they're not adapting to the new coaching lessons? Uh, I think that's part of it, Wayne. That's That's part of it. I think it's part of it. I think it'd be, it'd be naive to dismiss that entirely. I think there's a little bit more to it than that, but it would definitely... Brian. I think it would absolutely be naive to just assume, no, 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 that's not it. That's not yeah. it at all. Because mm-hmm. you yeah. have a bunch of new coaches and guys at some of those spots. I mean, like, like what's the position... What's a position that we're like, that unit's playing pretty well, right? It's corners, it's yeah. safeties. They're playing pretty mm-hmm. well. Well, guess what? They've got coaches that have been there for a while. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what are the positions that they're not playing as well? Positions where... They got new coaches.
2: coaches and yeah. So yep.
1: yeah, it'd be naive to say, oh no, 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 that's not it. It's not it. So with one right. exception, obviously quarterbacks, the one exception, but those are at least new players in there. Sure. So you could somewhat justify that. I, I'm not, but I'm saying you could. Whereas, If you wanted to. Right. Yeah. If you wanted to, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But secondary wise, I mean, it's mostly the same guy. I mean, Clarence Lewis has played a lot better this year. and t- It's two games, but he also went against, you know, the best pass offense he's going to face until the end of the season and mm-hmm. played really well. Yeah, You know, I don't remember Clarence getting any balls caught on him against Marshall. I think he had a couple, like, little hitch routes caught right in yeah, front of him. Yeah, it was him, a couple inches.
2: Like, yeah. yeah, it's
1: like stuff where it's like the no-cover zone. It's not like they were completing balls on him, per se. Right, right. Uh, So, I mean, Clarence has played very well, right? I think DJ Brown and Houston Griffith aren't making a lot of plays, but you know what else? They're not getting beat. They're not playing getting the football. Deep, yeah. You know, nope. I mean, they're, they're doing what they're being asked to do. And that's, I mean, that's all Clarence you can do. Clarence
2: Lewis is playing really good ball. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I I, mean, I, I I, sorry, I meant Tariq Bracey is playing yeah, really good you meant,
1: ball. Oh, Tariq Bracey yeah. playing great ball. Yeah. And, and your freshmen are, are doing some nice things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, that's kind of, I look, and say, but what's the one, what's the one thing those two positions have in common. Right. Like, so Clarence Lewis, according to PFF gave up four 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 completions on four attempts on Saturday for 29 yards. That's basically completing a little three, four yard route. And then he comes up and tackles the guy, which Mm -hmm. is you're giving that it's called a no cover zone. You're just, you're giving that and then rally to the ball and catch it. Uh, You'll do that sometimes. And that's, that's all that that was. So he had four catches for 29 yards. And, And the longest he gave up was 11 yards, according to PFF, which means the other three catches went for a grand total of 18 yards. So, you know, Ryan, the, the, the one, Common theme there is the position that we are most concerned about is playing the best ball right now because, and it's because they have coaches that are back. So, yeah, there's something to that, but that's not the only excuse. That's not the only thing that's the problem. There's a lot more, there's a lot more to it than that. Yep, sure is. Here's an interesting one from 99 Problems of a BK81. Brian and Ryan, how hard is it to be as logical and level headed as you are? given that you both are also huge fans. You it's hard sometimes.
2: That. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, hard sometimes. sometimes, 99 Problems. I mean, honestly, like after the game, I mean, I, I posted on the on the message board, right, that like it was just great to meet everyone and uh, at the tailgate and everything. And then I told them that you can get back to your negativity because I'd be lying if I, after the game I wasn't like, wow, man, I just saw that. Like that was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is that you have to know when to kind of move on, right? Like that's the biggest thing for me is that like what is dwelling on Marshall going to do for me now? Is it gonna do anything for me? Absolutely not. It's and it's not gonna do anything for the team either, right? Like they're kind of just looking at all the mistakes they made. They know what the mistakes they made. They were in the film room probably the next morning, watching all the mistakes that they that they that they had on that on that Saturday game, right? So I think the biggest thing for me is that like it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be disappointed. Like those things are fine. It's just at some point you got to move on, right? And, and like it, my biggest thing is like. I don't wake up any morning thinking like, oh, man, today's going to be a bad day, right? Like, I don't do that. It's like, what can I do right now to make today the best possible day that I can have or tomorrow the best possible day? And I think that that's, for the team right now, has to be the emphasis. Like, Coach Golden, Coach Freeman, whoever has to look at this team and be like, all right, where do we go from now, right? Like, what are our goals moving forward and how do we get there? So I think it's just the level-headedness just comes from knowing that I've been a fan my entire life. I've had a lot of disappointment and understanding that like, Hey, what is that going to do for me anymore? Right.
1: It's the next step. The next step the only thing I can control anymore. Right. And we have a job to do. And that's the other thing. Like, trust me, I, I don't, I don't, I hate doing shows after they lose. I hate writing articles after they lose. I just want to go home and be pissed off for a couple hours. I got a job to do, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's what it is too. And I think it's over time. You you learn to be able to, you know, and Ryan will learn this in time as well, even more than he already has. is just over time, it's just during a game, you get so focused on the game and yeah. doing your job. And what do I got to write after this? How am I going to talk about this? How do I describe this? That you don't look at it so much as a fan. Like I got, I was more angry Sunday than I was Saturday. Because Saturday I was focused on, I got a job to do. And on Sunday it was like, are you freaking kidding me? Watch and and especially watching the film on Sunday, oh my gosh, um, you know. But and then on Saturday night, you know, Brian J Irish says and and while dealing with us crazy, pissed off fans as well. I mean, I, I can't tell me I had to I had to block a guy that's been a pretty good poster on our site because you know early in the game against Marshall, he's in the chat saying, "I hope Marshall knocks Tyler Buckner out of the game." Like you're a clown at that point in time. Like I I don't care. Oh, I'm just upset. I, I don't care. Like, if you being upset equals that, then no, Tyler Buckner's not the problem. You are. You know, and then you get people go, ah, like, venting is okay, but then it's like, okay, well, this person's got to get banned. That person's got to go. So that's the other thing, too, is it kind of keeps you busy. Is like, I don't have time to think and react to it because I got to make sure that my board doesn't turn into a cesspool uh, and the chat after the game doesn't turn into a cesspool of yeah. just insanity. And for the most part, people were, were understandably pissed off and inventing in an appropriate manner. Most people were, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it doesn't take very many people to turn it into something crazy. And so that's the other thing is that you, you, it's again, it's focusing on the job, right? It's, and it's, it's been easier for me to not get pissed now that I have my own site too, because it just, it just is. I don't, I can't really explain it, but it's like, you Know we'll be all right, and I'm and I'm confident in the product we're putting out, and just focus on that, focus on doing the job, and then you know the, there'll be time and a place for venting, there's no doubt about it.
2: And I also love my job, so I don't want to say anything dumb to get me fired from my job, you Smart.
1: know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very smart. All right, we've got some more questions here uh, so far. Great questions, everybody, so far. Demetrius Rex, do you guys believe there's too much of an NFL philosophy on both sides of the ball with this 22 team? To a degree, yeah. I think there's a little bit too much of an NFL philosophy from a preparation standpoint. Not quite as much from a schematic standpoint, but from a preparation standpoint. I think in college, Ryan, Mm -hmm. in the NFL, you're going to pretty much put in a brand-new system almost on a weekly basis. Right. You know, the NFL, you got to have your bread and butters every week and you've got to have the things you build on. And then you kind of, you know, you find your bread and butter, find your sweet spot. Then each week you kind of, you know, tinker and, hey, let's put in this new play against this team because they do this. But you still have your bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And for Notre Dame right now on on either side of the ball, like, here's the thing. You always say in late in the game, you're going to go to what you believe in and what you have confidence in. Right. I know on third and five, when we get in the situation, this is the play I know we can execute and, and run effectively. On third and one, I know if we go to this, we can get it. Does Notre Dame have that on either side of the ball right now? This is the blitz when they got to dial something up that they can go to. This huh. is the stunt. This is the player. They don't have that right now. They don't have an identity right, right. now. For and In honest, college you especially, don't. you need that even more so than in the pros. And that is the concern that I have is that you do have an offensive coordinator that's kind of always had his eyes on the pros, not from he wants to leave for the pros per se. I think that people make a little too much of that, but more of that's the level of football that he I know, values? Yes, yes, yeah. a little bit more. And I don't mean that as an insult. It's, it's just that's true for a lot, you know, other for some people. And so I think that that's a, a part of it. And obviously, Al Golden's been in in the NFL for a while, so you yep. know it may take him some time to remember. Like, okay, yep, I got college kids again. You know, I and 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 the first game was kind of confirmation of yeah, we're doing this right. Well, then game two was like, uh, maybe maybe I need to rethink this a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there's a little bit of that to it as well. Yep. Ladarius uh Martin says, I appreciate it. Brian and Ryan, please pray for me. I'm going to be gone for a while. Uh, just got a lot going on with my mom. I'm literally in tears right now. and am talking to God, but thank y'all. I'll be in later. And obviously, Ladarius's mom has is, is been sick and uh, it's just continued to deteriorate. So I would ask all of IB Nation, the the people that believe in the power of prayer to definitely lift up Ladarius and his mother uh, today and moving forward. And uh, if you got to, if you got to be out for a little bit, man, you got to be out, but you know, you know, where we'll be when you're ready to come back, man. So uh, you'll definitely, definitely be in my family's prayers, and and I know there will be others in this chat that will will do the same, man. So we got your back. Milton Fan 15, a mailbag question. If the team's issue is culture, how, do, how long do you think it takes to get fixed? I suspect the culture is playing not to lose, make mistakes, which is why they look so disjointed. Ryan, I'm going to – Go ahead. Yeah. No. Oh, no. I, I was just you. gonna
2: say, like, if there's a culture issue, I don't think it ever really gets fixed. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like, oh, I, I think I, a culture
1: I, issue I, can get fixed because you address. Well, the I, I mean,
2: if, if, but if it's derived from the coaching staff, is how I'm oh, famous, I right? You. Or is he mean a past culture that is now trying to get? Yeah, changed? I think right now the culture's okay. broken.
1: Right. Now it's either broken because of what's happened before, or it's broken because of what's happening right now. I don't necessarily think it's because of what's happening right now. I think it's what's because happened before, and so for me, Milton. Milton fan I should say for me it's it can get fixed quickly and it can get fixed with um, a leader standing up and giving the biggest rah-rah speech ever and then going out and having a great practice and then you know then that takes a step you know I think the biggest thing right now is is they need a win yes I I I mean it's just it's really toxic right now and, and that stuff can build and build and build and build and and they just need a win and they need a win where they play well. Mm-hmm. You know, where they can start of say, hey guys, we are this good. We are as good as we thought we were. We weren't doing what we needed to do, but we're taking the steps. And, you know, have trust, have faith. And that's where I say it's really got to come from the players. The coaches need to make changes, but the the leadership of the team needs to step up and say, Hey, fellas, too much of this going on. Too much of this, too much of this. The there's way too much of that going on, too much of this going on we're going to go out there today. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do what we need to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to be together. We're going to trust the coaches. They're going to trust us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And anyone that's not about that, then take a hike. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's really what needs to happen from a leadership standpoint. That's what captains are for. And Hey, no more blaming coaches, whatever we, as we've always been, this is what past teams have talked about. They said, I don't care what the coaches do or say we're, we're in charge of this thing. And that's why they were able to overachieve beyond what their coaching provided. This team's not doing that. It's partly coaching, but I need to see the leaders step up and do this. And that's what I'm saying. Like you can't have Jarrett Patterson, forget the helmet thing after the game. You can't have your team captain jump a uh, fault, jumping on a third and three when you got a chance to put the game away. Yep. Right. You can't have your, your captain defensive end just not being a factor and then getting a big face mask penalty, you know, that, that, that helps them move a drive. You, you can't have your your star cornerback getting beat inside, setting up a goal line touchdown play. I mean, there was so much of that where it was your veterans that were giving up the plays. It's not Harry Heastan's fault that Jarrett Patterson jumped off sides. It's not Al Washington's fault that 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 Isaiah Foskey ripped the face mask. You know, on and on and on. Now, are there things that coaches need to do better? Yeah. But you got to handle your business first. and And that's something past teams had, that leadership we're going to find out if this team has that leadership because it's going to be about guys. I don't care what the coach calls. Are you better than the man across me or not? Then go whip them. Mm-hmm. Simple as that go whip them. And this team doesn't have that right now. They didn't have it on Saturday and they need to get that back. And so to me, that's a cultural thing that, that can, that can be fixed quickly because you have that heart to heart of, Hey, you we're either, you're either in with us on this or you're out. And if you're out, then go turn in your jersey and go go jump in the portal and go do what you need to do. But if you're going to be here, you're going to be bought in. Yeah. And anybody that's not bought in, leave. Right. That's what. And that that can't happen from Marcus Freeman. That can't happen from the coach. That's got to happen from Jared Patterson mm-hmm. and Avery Davis and Isaiah Foskey and uh, J D Bertrand and all the cap all the captains of this football team and all the leaders of this football team because not every leader is a captain. That's what's got to happen. And that more than anything is going to change the culture mm-hmm. more than anything. Milton fan 15, Brian, it looks like corners have tough time getting off blocks, which is why I think Marshall kept going to the flat. No, there were times when that was true, but that was just one of the few problem, problems that they had. Uh, there were times they were just getting out leveraged where it had nothing to do with the corners. Uh, there were times safety's getting enough blocks. So, so perimeter block destruction is definitely a problem. We talked about yes. that earlier. But a lot of the times it was just them out leveraging a flat defender or a trail defender. You know, they'd go in motion and just send a guy on or they would like, so there was a play early where they got a big gain. on just a guy went in motion and just ran a quick slide route and Notre Dame got caught. I, uh, Tariq Bracey was coming from across the field. Xavier Watts got sucked inside, then went back out and just the easy little completion. And the guy just runs up sideline for first down. That's not on block destruction. That's on communication, and and just they knew they could out leverage you there. The third nine completion at the end of, on the the, the go ahead drive in the fourth quarter was not about block destruction. It was about your linebacker and safety not knowing who's picking up the flat defender, who, who, the flat receiver, and the guy mm-hmm. came from across the field. It was a similar situation. So it was about communication and just assignment correctness, and those two things went hand in hand on Saturday. So yes. The block destruction was a bit of an issue on the perimeter runs and the perimeter screens. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, But it was a, it was a corner and safety. The other issue is, is, is much more concerning to me than Mm -hmm. the block destruction one, to be honest with you.
2: Block destruction, something on every level that needs to get better though. Every single level.
1: Yep. Irish blooded ask the question. Honest question. We hear a lot when teams uh, are like this, they refer to going back to basics. Do you think, There's a fear in doing that, that the next opponent is expecting it and makes it even harder. I I think the fear is not – it's not a fear. I think a lot of coaches are unwilling to – in college to understand that it's okay to be complex in college, but it's still – the best coaches are the ones that teach their kids how to play the game the right way. Yep. Right? And, you know, that's something I always respected about Sark and why I think he did so well at Alabama and why I think Bill O'Brien has not done as well at Alabama – because Sark understands scheme, but if you go back and study Alabama's offense in 2020, they don't do a lot of stuff. They mm-hmm. Really don't. They, they they don't have a real complex offense. Their complexity comes from okay, where's Devonte on this play? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But they don't have a real expansive route tree. They do what they do, and they coach the heck out of it. That's the thing. They have their RPO schemes, and they coach the freaking mess out of it and they're masters at it right and they have very good players too but i think that's something that has helped sark at texas uh is as far as like you know putting up some numbers but it's taking some time to get it to the where they had at Obama, which is why one week they look like world beaters and the next week they get beat by a team they have no business losing to because you're still getting those guys to play with that week after week after week where bill o'brien thinks it's all about him proving he's the smartest guy in the stadium that's the difference between Sark and Bill O'Brien. And that's why Charlie Weiss failed. Charlie Weiss didn't stop knowing how to call a game in 07, 08, and 09. The difference is, is he didn't care about teaching kids how to line up and, and block and tackle and run routes and all that other kind of stuff. So when he inherited players already knew how to do that, it looked pretty good. When he had his team was built around guys he had to teach how to do that, they stunk, even though they had really talented players. And so that to me is – I think there are a lot of coaches who are unwilling to understand – This isn't about me proving that I'm the smartest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, but my players cannot take what I'm teaching them and and, and apply it, then we're not going to be very good. And I'm going to be a really smart, unemployed guy. You know what I mean? And that's the difference between Sark and Bill O'Brien. And why Sark is a champion and why Bill O'Brien is going to have to win one because of other people, right? I'm, I'm sorry. That's just the reality of it. If Sark was at Alabama right now, I'm sorry, that game is not close on Saturday. It's not. Bill O'Brien Pete out outcoached Bill O'Brien for 60 freaking minutes. It's just he didn't have the dudes that Alabama had. I mean, as simple as that, in my opinion. And it's because he doesn't he he doesn't appreciate, you know, these guys got to know how to line up and tackle, block, and run routes and catch the ball and do all that kind of stuff. And you don't have the veterans you had last year. You don't have John Mechie who's been through the battles. You don't have some of these other guys, Brian Robinson has been through the battles and Evan Neal's been through the, You got some young guys that are still need to be taught how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing what you need to do. It, you're trying to show everyone how smart you are. And I worry about that with Notre Dame. I do. And so we're going to find out this next week if, if they're willing to say, hey, look, man, this isn't about me and trying to smart. I am. We got to teach these kids how to line up. We got to teach them how to block, destruct. And we got to teach them how to tackle and then let them play fast. And then as they do that, then we can add more stuff to it. It doesn't mean no. you run one call, right? It's not what we're saying, right? It's just you figure out what you're doing well scheme-wise, and then you find your diversity on how guys line up is what you do, in my opinion. Robert Bishop says, does Cal have a good defense, or have they looked uh, just good against two dud opponents early? They have a very good defense. Yep. We've been yep. saying this in the offseason. So for all this stuff about Cal, Cal's won six of their last eight games.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This goes back to last year. They went four and two down the stretch, and one of their losses was a ten to three loss to Arizona. Yep. So you know, yes, this Cal this Cal defense is pretty good. Uh, didn't have a great performance against UCLA last year, but other than that, their defense down the stretch was I thought pretty good. Uh, yeah. Beat Colorado down their next stretch 26 to three. Beat Stanford 4, 41 to 11. Beat USC 24 to 14. They held USC to fewer points in their game came up against USC last year. Uh, lost another game 22 to 17. Lost another game 21 to six. Lost a game 24 to 17. Their defense is legit, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, it's legit schematically. It's got some talent, but this is not like they don't have a bunch of Foskies and Cam no. Martin. They've got some good players. That are coached really well and they play hard and they know what they're doing. It's not a super complex defense, Ryan. No, it's not. A three, it's a three. They all four, know what they're just, doing yeah. and they yep. fly to the ball. They play with great leverage. Yep. They've got midget corners, right? My midget and, corners, you know, man. It's like, but there's they're, they're a smart football team. But their smart is we don't do a lot, but what we do, we do really, really well. Yeah, and yeah. that allows them to be effective.
2: Now, and, and it, it and it's something, Robert. Where so I had. I broke down a little bit of their film from this from this week from the last couple weeks, actually. And the offensive players breakdown came out earlier on IrishBreakdown.com. And I just submitted the other one for Brian here. So you'll you'll get kind of the defensive breakdown. I'll I'll leave it at this for the sake of time. Justin Wilcox is a really good defensive guy as their head coach. And then they also had Peter Sermon, who was in the NFL for a while. So they have a really good scheme. It's 3-4, so they play a lot of three-down type of stuff. Nose Tackle's a good football player. They have a number 44. What's that defensive end's name, Brian? The the, the 270 Oh, Xavier Carlton? Yeah, yeah, Xavier Carlton, man. He's pretty good. He's got some talent. And yeah. you got two good inside linebackers. you got a really good safety in Daniel Scott. So they have a few good players, to Brian's point. But more than anything, they are just extremely, right. extremely well-coached. Extremely right. well-coached.
1: Yep, no doubt. No doubt. All right, let's get to some, some more. This is really funny down here, Ryan. Uh, Archer said, uh, Ryan, did your weekly payment of due just arrive? How many cases do you get per week? And is there a performance bonus for staying, staying so exceedingly handsome? So, uh, yeah. Um, I have me. no
2: comment for the last part there.
1: But, uh. <laughs> Tom Frowley says, uh, Brian, thanks for having the patience to deal with us all. It's not about patience. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. I mean, I love this community. Yeah. I really do. Does, it, does, does some of you piss me off sometimes? Yeah, but you know what? I know I piss you off sometimes, too um that's what family does right but I, you keep coming I, back I, we keep bringing I, you back i love this group i do i do i've never, never got to get rid of but i love the, i love y'all this is i love this great community i've never pissed you off though brian I love yeah it. today so far. <laughs> not yet today so far not today yet uh that's but no fun. i do i do love this community it is so different than anything i've ever been a part of and you know, so, so yeah, you, you, you accept the net, like some of you, I know, love this channel. You respect me and you're loyal to, to me and what we're building, but I know there's things about my personality you don't like, but you deal with those because you, you like the other parts about it. Right. And when Notre Dame loses, I know what I'm gonna have to deal with, but I get it because the same passion that causes you to overreact to a loss is the same passion that causes you to tune into a podcast at one o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of freaking June. Right. And I love that passion. Sometimes it can get unhealthy, and I and I, I want to do my part to try to say, look, we can vent and be pissed off, but there's here's the line. Just don't go past it, right? Go to it, and we'll all be pissed off and vent together, and then we'll get over it, and we'll move on and find solutions. So it's not about patience. It just comes with the package, and you can't ask for people to be patient and say that you're going to run a site that's not a homer site and then get mad when people get mad about losing a marshal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'd have been more concerned if people were like, ah, no big deal. Like you know what we're going about to have, have eight thousand subscribers uh, unsubscribe because they just don't care anymore. I love the passion. I just sometimes people cross the line, but for the most part, Ryan, would you say? I mean, you were on the board Saturday night. I'd say probably like ninety five percent of the people were venting appropriately.
2: And Yeah, and, I, I I thought it was a lot better than the first week. If I'm being yeah. honest, like I mean, there's always going to be a couple that are just take a little too True. far, but like for the most part, it was just. Frustration, and I got yeah. it. I was frustrated too. So yeah. cool.
1: Totally <laughs> understand good. it. Totally understand yep. it. Um, Tommy Gunn says, "I know I piss you off sometimes. Now you're my dude. You do. So when you start getting the politics and all that crap on the site, man, we 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 agree on a lot of things, but just not on the board. <laughs> all right. So, but no, I love you, man. But no, honestly, Tommy, though, funny. seriously, funny, like, I, I love this community, man. And I and that's why I like building it. And that's why I fight so hard to make sure the people that come in new." Um, our like I, I love the fact that in one breath we can be talking football. And the next breath we're praying for somebody's mom. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. people feel like people actually feel comfortable coming to our, our channel and to our board and say, Hey y'all, I'm struggling personally. I need y'all to pray for me. Like the fact that people feel they have a community to go to when times are tough, whether it's about their football team, whether it's about their personal lives or whatever, you know, I love that. I love that about y'all. So if that means I got to deal with people losing their crap a little bit on a Saturday night after a loss to Marshall, so be it. I'll gladly take that because it's worth it to have all the other stuff. And I really think this is a great community. We got a, we got a bunch of Notre Dame fans and an Ohio State fan pet, praying for an Alabama fan. Yeah. Think that's what we're doing here. And 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 a Michigan fan asking questions that we're gonna get here in a second. Like that's a pretty mm-hmm. awesome community to me. Yeah and it's one that I'm glad that we're a part of. I never All thought right. I
2: would like. To, I never thought I would like talking ball with an Ohio State. And I, know, right? I, I know, right? Here we are. We oh, are
1: still having a hard time with it. Notre <laughs> Dame two one six four. Am I overstepping by saying that a coach as seasoned as Al Golden should have seen this result coming? I feel like he should have known this is going to be too complicated, too fast. I understand what you're saying there, but because they had so long to get good at it, it's almost like a false sense of security. And this is why I asked the question last week. I said, one of the things we're going to learn is whether or not Al Golden can get a game plan in, in a week, right? This is exactly why I asked this question, because it's a lot easier to do it in when you got a whole, and this is why I said I wanted Ohio State first, because you get the whole offseason to prepare for Ohio State. You can put a lot more stuff in in the opener than you can the next week. And, and in week three and week four, especially week four, when you now have, you know this team is doing a lot of different things than maybe what they did last year, yeah. Right, and so like North Carolina is doing some different stuff so far this year in three games, and they did last year because they have a different quarterback, not better, not worse, just different. He has different strengths, and Phil Longo's done a pretty good job so far of just tweaking thing. his offense to really fit what uh, Drake May does well. Yeah, and so you can't go to last year's film as much only to get ready for North Carolina, so you don't have the same advantage you had going into that game that you had going to the Ohio State game. We had all offseason to learn their tendencies, and they didn't really know what you were going to do. Well, his game plan in the opener against Ohio State and Ryan Day was significantly better than the one against Marshall. And that was why I brought this up last week, because we don't know the answer to that. Now that's where he's got to say, okay, you know what? This is why we struggled. Now let me make my changes. And I think he's going to do that. I hope he's going to do that. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but we'll find out this week. Because if you, if you struggle against this offense, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. There's
2: some problems. There's some problems there. Yeah. And they not, got nice
1: some good players, but their line's yeah. not good. Their no. quarterback's not good. And their scheme is very mediocre, in my opinion. I,
2: I like your full longo note, Brian. I want to actually talk to you about that the other day because they're, they're using tight ends a lot more this yeah. year, man. Like they're working the oh, middle yeah. of the field a lot more than they ever have. Oh, yeah. you know? it's not, oh, yeah. I feel like under Sam Howell, was like a lot of outside the
1: numbers stuff, sure. you know, because he had that good yes, deep and balls. And now they're. Yes. yes. Yeah. Done a, that's great coaching yes this is what i can't run an offense like i have sam howe because i don't have sam howe he's done a great job their defense is a hot mess Yes. but offensively he's done a great job of adapting i mean they lost their two best offensive linemen they lost a thousand or running back they had another receiver leave the team like and he's working with a and he hasn't had josh downs the last two weeks either because he's been did he play this past week he didn't play this past week i know he played against he didn't play against app state did he play against georgia state this past weekend, I'm not 100 percent sure about that actually. Yeah, sure. but he's been banged up. I'm actually going to look that up now. He's been banged yeah. up. So not only are you are you doing all that, but you don't you haven't even had your best your best receiver the last couple weeks. So yeah, Josh think, Downs only played in the opener.
2: I think so, they have two or three tight ends on that roster that over 100 yeah. yards receiving already though. It's They're very number different two, offense. number
1: three, and number five leading pass catchers on the team right now are tight ends. Yeah, so. I mean, and is the the running backs are caught 13 balls as well, but not for a lot of yards. No. So, so, I mean, I really like what he's doing so far. I mean, really like what he's doing so far. So, I mean, that's, that's good coaching, right? Build to the town of your players. And and that's what great coaches do. I have my philosophy, but I always have to be willing in the college level to tweak my philosophy to the strengths of my specific players, especially my quarterback. And I don't think Notre Dame has done that offensively this year And I don't think they've necessarily done that defensively. This is not a defense built around what Isaiah Foskey and the D-line do well. This is a defense built around scheme so far, and plugging the players into that scheme. And that's an adjustment that Coach Gold needs to make, in my opinion. Just that's just my opinion. Mark Brown asks, Is cross-training too excessive? I don't understand cross-training so many, especially at one time. It it isn't in theory. Mm-hmm. It's actually totally understandable in theory, especially when you're coming from the NFL where you only have 48 active players on a Sunday and you can only have like you, you, an offensive line coach can only have seven or eight offensive line. And you literally have to have at least two guys on an NFL team that can play multiple p- offensive line positions. Same thing, a linebacker, same thing at a lot of positions because you can only have was it, is it still 48 active, right? You can have what 54 on your roster and then 48 active. Is it still that I don't know it used to be that, right? I'm not sure if it's still that way in the NFL, And so I understand the need to do that. It's something around there. Well, you have 85 active guys on Saturday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there's a time and a place where that is okay. Sure. But it it has to be once they've mastered the one thing that they're doing. Yes, Because these are not 25, 26, 27-year-old grown men that are professional athletes. These are college players that are still learning the game in some ways. So in theory, no, Mark. I don't have an issue with cross-training. It's just it has to be done at the right time. And I've made mistakes like that before. Ryan and I have owned that. We probably expected too much of Jaden Thomas early on from a playing all over standpoint. Right. And and that's a mistake. Let them learn one thing first and then figure out the rest. And if they go back to doing that, then I think this team will be fine and this team will get good in a hurry. And then as they master those things, then you can get back to a little bit more cross training. Jay Montalbano with a a question here. So do you think Golden is coaching college players like they are pros? Is that what you guys are saying? And this kind of goes back to the last question. Uh, To a degree, sure, but not really. It's not so much that he's teaching them like they're pros because he understands these are college kids with other responsibilities. It's more so a, a misunderstanding of just how much volume you can put in on these kids in a week. I think that's really what it boils down to. Again, that's why they looked so good in the opener and completely opposite a week later because you weren't going with the same game plan. You were doing a lot of different things against Marshall that you're doing at Ohio State. And I didn't like the game plan. I didn't understand why they were giving up the quick game so much. Like that was the exact opposite. What we said all week was do not let them get the quick game. Marshall beat you and did not attempt a single pass. Let me rephrase. They won, but it got called back in a penalty. They only attempted one pass beyond 20 yards past the line scrimmage. One. Ryan, they only attempted three passes beyond 10 yards and still beat Notre Dame, the fact that you allowed them to not have to throw the ball downfield to beat you is exactly what we pointed to last week. You couldn't do and they didn't do it. And that's a concern to me, right? That that's troubling to me. And I want to see if that gets fixed or not. Cause it's the same thing this week. Like Cal's got a bunch of receivers averaging under 10 yards a catch. Which is kind of nuts because like J. Michael Sturdevant was a can burner. Can fly, man. Can fly. And yes. he's averaging 10 point. This is what the Cal receivers are averaging right now. You have their leading receiver, Jeremiah Hunters, 11.3. It's pretty good. J. Michael Sturtevant is, is 10.4. Number three receiver is 8.6. Their number their number one tight end is 9.8. They have another guy at 8.4. The only guy the only guys that have it, I mean, you have Monroe Young at 15.7, but that's only on three catches. You know, you've got another guy 31 yards a catch. because it's, it's one catch. You know, I mean, Monroe Young, who's averaging 15.7, he had one catch for one yard against UNLV. You know, your quarterback's averaging 17.4 yards per attempt, and you're averaging 10.7 yards per completion. This is another team that doesn't like to throw the ball down the field or isn't isn't I, and jack plummer's got a strong arm ryan he's an incredibly yeah. accurate deep field for faster though always has yes been. he is yes he is yep he's going to
2: yeah just make him throw the ball me. down the
1: field yep. i mean That's it, all it is man it's not that hard and and they didn't do that against marshall and should have and um and it yeah. wasn't a numbers thing ryan like they had eight in the box a lot it just was a leverage thing and in a, a and a how you were asking your corners to play. like they were playing tight with their corners and then the mm-hmm. snap, they would bail them a lot. Yeah,
2: it was like press bail. It was really yeah. weird. It was really weird. Which, yeah. if you're
1: going to do that against me, once I get a read on, I'm, I'm eating you up with quick stuff. And, 100%. and you know, because now if you're flipping your hips at the snap and I can get that ball out quickly, I got time to square you up as a receiver. You know, because you got to plant and drive on the ball. A lot of that stuff just didn't make sense to me, Ryan. It, it really didn't. And, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's, that's one of those schematic things that is problematic that I want to see corrected to be honest with you because uh it's um it's a problem yeah Uh, so far in the season jack Plummer's three of ten on balls past uh 20 yards and last year at purdue let me find it here real quick i'm gonna see what his numbers were at purdue because they they weren't much better even with david bell uh you know what actually oh no that's aiden o'connell yeah i was like wow he was actually a lot better than i thought yeah aiden o'connell last year on deep balls completed 52.7% of his passes. He was 11 of 19 on the left and 10 of 16 to the center. Uh, Jack Plummer, on the other hand, was three of nine. So Jack Plummer last year completed on intermediate throws, right? So that's even like 10 to 19. He had a lower completion percentage on intermediate throws than Aiden O'Connell had on deep throws this is not a very accurate quarterback that's nutty man that is nutty yeah Yeah. that's that's weird not a real accurate quarterback Uh, so you've got to you've got to figure those things out so he look
2: he looks like a million bucks but
1: oh yeah yeah. he's big strong arm kid big nfl body and all that but you know just not a real not a real comfortable guy when you talk about sitting him in the pocket it's pretty maddening too
2: because i know we're not really getting too much in the cow here but like you already mentioned Sturdevant, who was a 10 3, 900 meter guy in high school at yeah. three, two 205 pounds. They also have the Jeremiah Hunter kick and run a little bit too, man. Like he's not mm-hmm. bad either as far as speed. Yeah. And they just they can't
1: stretch the field. So, yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. John A1 said, uh, What is the evaluation of Drew Pine as a recruit? I was, I like the way he played in the Under Armour All Star game. I thought he could be a good starter, but not great. I think that's kind of what he should be, too, right? And we've talked about this. You can beat a lot of teams with Drew Pond as your quarterback. The question is, can you beat the best teams with him at quarterback? That's a bigger question mark. There's, n- you can, if, if, if anyone tries to blame, Notre Dame tries to if they lose to Cal and they try to blame it on, we're going to have Tyler Buckner, I'm going to lose it. It's freaking Cal. It's Cal, you know, and, and if you didn't recruit good enough quarterbacks that your backup can't beat Cal, then, then the quarterbacks are not the problem. You're the problem. And so, and I'm not saying Tommy Reese is going to do that. I'm just making a hypothetical argument that some people will make about, oh, you know, you never start quarterback, backup quarterback. Drew Pine is good enough if he's playing the way he's capable of and coming out of high school. Smart, accurate, good decision maker, all that kind of stuff. Uh, plays with Moxie. All that stuff is what he should be. He hasn't looked like that guy, though. And you start getting into the questions, is, is, is Drew Pine doing the regre- re- the regression thing that we have seen so much from Notre Dame quarterbacks? I mean, Cal lost to Nevada last year, guys. You know, they they lost to Washington. They lost to Washington State at home by fifteen. If you can't beat Drew if you can't beat them with Drew Pine, you have really much bigger problems. But we said this about Marshall last week too, and they do have problems and they need to get fixed. And if they lose to Cal, honestly, or if it's even competitive, Ryan, honestly, it tells me that the problems if they just win like seventeen to thirteen, nothing's got fixed. Yeah. Maybe defensively, but offensively, nothing's got fixed.
2: I, I said that to Sean on the Monday show, Brian. I was like, if it's a yeah. you know thirteen to ten game or whatever it ends up being, like something like ugly like that, it's like, yes, you're happy, you got to win, but like, was there progress? No, there really wasn't progress. You yeah. know, like it's just one of those situations where it's like a bittersweet thing. It's like, yes, case mm-hmm. victory, but also, you probably didn't play too well still. Yeah.
1: So, yep, 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 yep. Here we go. Let's see here. We got Keith Wiegand. Are they rotating too many players in your guys' opinion? This is a good question Keith because I want to address this. I do mm-hmm. not think they're rotating too many players. I think they're rotating too many players at once. On ca- mm-hmm. on Marshall's first touchdown drive, there was a point where they were at least at least 6 and I kept trying to get a count and it t- and you know guys were coming in now but there was at least one snap where I'm pretty confident there was at least 7 non-starters in the lineup. Now, I had no problem with any of those guys playing, but you, and and, and I, and I complained about this last year because they would do this against Florida State. They just go like mass substitution on the front seven and the D line. I'm like, you can't do that. You should always have at least two starters in the game, unless you literally have a co starter to position, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's a little different story, but you don't have that right now. And so there were times they were like, you had backup linebackers, three backup D linemen, and two backup DBs in the game. And and when they did that, like you didn't have there was one play where they didn't have Fosky, Cam Hart, or Brandon Joseph on the field, and I'm like, eh, no, can't. Yeah, there and, was
2: one. There was one drive in the second half where I I, I actually said something to my dad because they had a completely backup defensive line in, like yeah. no starters were in. I was just like, really, like you don't have Fosky or Adam Alola right. on the field at this, like at once. I mean, at at all, like it was, yeah. Just to reiterate, there was definitely those moments where you're just kind of like, I don't know if I love those substitutions. It's like it's like substitution in basketball, you know, where like a coach will go to like an all backup lineup for a little bit and then they give up the lead type of thing. And you're just like, I don't think I like that substitution too much, man. Like right. it's not it's not smart, but yeah.
1: You know, that like even in games where you're playing a tempo team where you're doing mass substitutions,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: do it to where you have your mass substitution mixed with both. Right. Where, you know, your, your lines that you're rotating, you have two starters in and two starters out, you have, and then you rotate and you have two starters in or, you know, or you one guy always stays, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you, you just, you can't do that. Right. You got to be smarter about your substitutions. We saw it last year and I think we saw it a little bit too much. We're seeing it in the first couple games, especially on Saturday against, against Marshall. And that's gotta be, it's gotta be corrected in my opinion. Got another one here from Ty B. Thank you, Ty. Does Tommy Reese's scheme not attack does Tommy Reese's scheme not attack space? Sorry if I'm asking the wrong question, but I feel like our skill players are never in open space to make plays with their legs. This is what's so weird mm-hmm. about what we've seen the first two weeks. Because mm-hmm. that's something Tommy did a phenomenal job of in the second half of last year and in the bowl game was getting guys in space. Mm-hmm. And we're not seeing that. We're seeing a very stale offense it's like they're doing a lot of different things but there's no rhyme or reason to it and that's why it's like it's puzzling to me because the all time he sucks well but if we've if we saw the game plans that we saw from him last year we're having a different conversation that's what's so puzzling about this whole thing and and i don't have answers to why that's the case why are they so bad on offense at the beginning of the year the last few years because we've really seen this a lot we saw this in 2021 for Notre Dame, right? I mean, we saw it last year where the offense came out of the gate and the opener smoking, and then for, like, the next month was, like, pretty mediocre, right? Really couldn't do a whole lot. We saw it last – you know, so so that was strange. And then we saw in 2020 the offense was pretty mediocre against Duke. You know, moved the ball but couldn't score. Uh, had some big missed opportunities, and then you come out and you kind of you're not real great against South Florida. You kind of overwhelm them with talent. Then you have the great Florida State game. And then the next two weeks, you're just kind of blah, eh, blame it on COVID, right? Then you come out in 2019 and your offense kind of sputters against Louisville. You know, you make enough plays to win, but you're not sharp. You just kind of out-talented them. You know, then then you had a lot of yards against New Mexico, but they sucked. And I remember watching the game, like, this is not a this offense is not crisp. They're just talented then you come out the next week against George and your offense can't do anything. You can't do anything on offense against Virginia. Like, you know, and that was pre Tommy Reese, right? That was chip long. So, you know, it's, it's not just Tommy Reese. It's like, it's puzzling. Right. In 2018, of course, we remember how bad the offense was at the beginning of that year as well. So I don't know what the answer is, but then as the years went on in 2021 and 2020, we saw the offense get much better as the years went on. So, what is happening from a preparation standpoint going into the season that's causing them to not look in early like they look late? I mean, like not even not look good like execution-wise, but like structurally they look so much different. And that's what's puzzling to me. I, I really can't put a finger on it. And had a super chat from Jay Henry. Who are good candidates for quarterbacks coach? Jay, no disrespect at all, but like that's just not really a topic that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about right now. Uh, they have a quarterbacks coach right now. It's Tommy Reese. Have Gus Ragland helping out. Um, we can have this conversation if that job comes open in the offseason. But right now, I'm just focused on the quarterback coach they have, getting things right. Um, you know, after that, like let's say Tom Reese becomes the head coach in the offseason. And let's say Notre Dame goes and wins the next 10 games and the offense just lights the world on fire. And you realize this was just an anomaly. This was shaking off some rust and getting over some bad habits. And once they got rolling, they roll, right? And they're 40 points a game. And Tom you know, Reese leaves. Then it depends on, well, who do you have hires offensive coordinator? Is he a tight ends coach? Is he a receivers coach? Is he a quarterbacks coach? Those are all questions i will have to answer. And uh, there, there'll be, there may be a time and a place for that, but just it's not that your question is invalid and I appreciate your super chat. It's just, it's not really on my radar right now. It's, it's you know? it, that's
2: an off season question yeah. if it becomes a, a topic of conversation. So,
1: yep. But I appreciate the super chat. Notre Dame, Indy nation, two in 10 run into a nine man front six times last week. Please explain what Tommy is thinking. Thanks, guys. Always great show. I'm not quite sure if I understand the beginning.
2: I think he's saying it's second and ten, and you're running into a nine-man box six times last week, is what he's saying.
1: I can't explain that. I I mean the R- the RP. I don't. I I didn't like really notice that. I'd have to go look at that. Um, I I did know. I, I don't know about the nine
2: man, man box stuff, but I did notice a couple times last week that it was second and long, second and ten, second and nine, and you're just running the football, and it was just kind of no, like
1: with no no safety help. I mean, so I don't yeah. know if I call that nine yeah. in the box. I know there's one particular play I, I can think of where the safeties are walked down. I wouldn't call that mm-hmm. nine in the box if that's what you're referring to. Yeah, um, sure, but honestly, that's I I can't. And this is but this is what we were talking about yesterday. In that situation, there's only one option for the quarterback throw the ball to the field, make yeah. them pay. Teams yeah. are going to keep doing that until you make them pay. Mm-hmm. And like, they had some good RPOs early. And then like, there's other times you're like, why, why would you not be running second to 10 is if you're not running an RPO on second and 10, then there's just something it, What it is. It means it's because you're throwing the ball. That's the only time where it's not okay to run an RPO on second and 10. In my opinion is if you've got a pass play call, that's it. it it's, it was confusing. They, they had
2: no answer to the RPO, just the, the the bubble that they were running off of. It, man, I feel like every time they ran a bubble, they got five plus yards. Like they just had no answer yep. to it, but you
1: know, yeah, went
2: away from it for some reason.
1: Yeah, there we go. Let's go. We got a few more, and we got to get out of here. We got a one from Antoine Johnson. Brian, I have a question. Do you think Notre Dame would benefit from more of a old school West Coast style offense, especially with Pine having a lack of arm power? I think this will also help your O line. You know, Antoine, we were asked this question yesterday. It, it is a good question, and I actually think that already sort of exists in what they do. We've seen this in the past. They're not utilizing it now. But like last year when Jack Cohn really got rolling, I mean, Jack Cohn completed over 70% of his passes in the last six or seven games of the year. And it was because there was a lot of quick stuff. I mean, you'd have movement and then running slides out. You know, like they do all these jet motions. Well, one thing you should do off that is, is easy throws off of that, not just bubbles. But I have a guy go in motion and then just run him on a slide, just a little slant slide kind of concept, you know, that other teams are running on you, um, you know, things like that. That's the West Coast principle, you know, catch, read, throw. There's st- That stuff is built into the offense. And I think the, ex- the explanation I gave yesterday, Ryan, I think this was actually when you had stepped out. I don't know if you were here for that answer. But the thing that I said was the West Coast so permeates college football and, and NFL football now. That even teams that don't run a West Coast offense have principles that, that can find themselves from the West Coast. Timing, quick game, spacing, a lot of that stuff is is finds its home in the West Coast offense, right? And whatever version of that you want to look at. And so I think they have that built in. And I think the, the principle of what you're referring to, Antoine, is absolutely something Notre Dame needs to do a better job of. They got to get the ball out quickly, move the pocket quickly, get the ball in space, uh, do different things where you're isolating certain defenders. Hey, we're going to isolate the flat defender with this read and this flood concept or this slant snap concept or whatever the case may be and get back to more rhythm throwing. And that's to me what ultimately the West coast offense to me, if I had to describe it in one word, it's rhythm. It's the, 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 you know, I got a three-step drop, you yep. know, my route to three steps, I'm hitting my drop and I, what I loved about the West Coast, there wasn't a lot of stationary routes in the West Coast. At least the like the Bill Walsh version, there were mm-hmm. some. They'd have they they'd run curl flat, but there's not a lot of stationary routes in the West Coast. I that is something I definitely like to see. Like Steve Sarkeesian's offense was like that. There's not a lot of. I wouldn't call him a West Coast guy per se, but he's a BYU guy. He's a Lavelle yep. Edwards guy, so <laughs> he's not a West Coast guy in that. You know, he's running the modern version of the offense he ran under Coach Edwards, right? But what mm-hmm. I'll say is, but but the soul of of the West Coast is present in what he does, which yeah. is why you don't see a lot of s- s- stationers. And he's even said this. There's a video. where He says, "He goes, I'm as fat. I'm faster than Julio Jones when he's not running. That's just, that's just what he says. Meaning, sure. like, <laughs> if he runs around and stops, I'm now faster yeah. than him if I'm running, right? And the the the, the thought behind it is, it's kind of like the Usain Bolt thing I said the other day, is why would you not have him moving? Yeah. And so, you know, there needs to be stationary routes, and I'm all for some stationary routes, but then to not have them know what to do if it's not open. But Sark has very few routes where they just stop. I mean, and his philosophy is like guys are going to be on the move. That's the only way you get open is if you're on the move. That's the soul of the West Coast offense.
0: Mm-hmm. Is
1: everything's moving? It's I'm always on the move. Slants, snaps, outs, post, corners, all that stuff. It's all movement you know, and, and even your triangle stuff that they would run back in the day in the West Coast. It was all, the ball was there when you stopped. So even the stop routes were, it, the rhythm was there. So yeah, you may run a curl and you're going to run some kind of triangle. So you'll have like a curl here, a flat there. And then your number two guys running like a like a little sit route over the middle. You see that all the time now. That finds its heart and soul in the West Coast. But even then on those stop routes, the ball's out. The guy hits his, he's turning around the ball's hitting him in the chest because it's rhythm. And they need to develop a rhythm, Antoine. And so I, and then combine that, Ryan, with what we talked about. There's more movement on your routes. Stop standing around so much on your routes. Those are all West Coast, at their heart and soul, are West Coast principles that Notre Dame has. They're just not using as much. It's not so much the play that the offense is flawed, it's what they're emphasizing is not what they should be emphasizing with this group of players. Yes. it's
2: it's very well said, and to Antoine's point, that function of a West Coast, what you're talking about, the rhythm stuff, three step, get the ball loud, create space, that would be Right in Drew Pine's breadbasket, right? right? Like we've talked a lot about it. He need, he's a player that you need to get in rhythm early, right? Quick throws, get the ball out, timing, those types of things would be great for Drew Pine. So, Antoine, I think you're on to something with like the principal aspect of it, right? Like I don't think tyree Reese needs to completely change his offense, like you know, fundamentally, but to add in those emphasis. wrinkles, I agree completely. Yes, yeah, the emphasis it's about on the
1: emphasis, right? 100%. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Yep, yep. I agree. I agree. Well, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, Great, great questions. There's a lot more I would love to get to. C-Mac had a really good question about Tyler Buckner. We had some other really good questions in there that we're just not going to be able to get to. We got to get out of here. We got some things we got to get to. So this was a fun show. I really appreciate y'all being with us today. Uh, Love the great questions. Love the great interaction in the chat. Obviously, as always, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast, please check out our CFB Nation channel. All right, Listen to those shows. Help us to grow those. Help us to really get those going. Uh, we'll start populating them more and more and more and more uh, as as time goes on, absolutely, and we'll start having more and more shows on them. Uh, but definitely give those a, a look and a listen to. The guys from Sporting News did a really good show this week. We ended up cutting it into two so they're going to do sort of like a, a look at the latest last week and some notes. And then the second show, which comes out tomorrow at 7 a.m., will be their breakdown of sort of looking at this weekend's big games. Because there's some very interesting games this weekend. Uh, and they had a very interesting take that, you know, Kansas, Vanderbilt, and Duke all have a chance to go 3-0 this weekend. Which is just a very interesting take. So, uh, and there was a note in there in one of them that Michigan State has not run a, won a road game over a Pac 12 team in the rare season since the 1950s. They have a chance to do that this weekend when they go out to Washington, who is was actually a favorite over the ranked Michigan State team. So, a lot of great stuff in there, guys, that you do not want to miss those nuggets. So, that's Bill Bender from Sporting News and Bill Tro- uh, Trochi from Sporting News as well. So, definitely check that out. Also, you can find that at the CFB Nation. Uh, channel So definitely check that out. And, of course, as always, Ryan, sign up for the message board, everybody. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. 6 o'clock tonight. Sean Stowers will be back with Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock. We will start focusing on Cal tomorrow. All right? We will definitely break them down. We'll show you some. We'll talk stats. We'll talk matchups. We'll kind of all put all of it into kind of two shows, all of our normal week into two shows. Uh, but we really felt it was important to do what we're doing now. So, anyway, have a good one, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.